Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. When you pick up some scratches because you want a fun break, the playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer because when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratches from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. Maybe more? I don't know. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth, and this week we're chatting about a digital haunted house story, monster killing, a divorce drama we haven't seen before, Victorian-era allegories for gay conversion camps, and a bleak Jake Gyllenhaal movie. And also, I'm talking about books, too, so we got some books in there. 
There we go. Reading, playing, watching. Look at us. Look at us reaching out out of movies. Also, if you are a um, Patreon subscriber, the Celta for Life is out there for you already. And then again, just as a reminder, next week we will have our new Fresh Wounds episode where we're covering Inside. So yet another long episode. It was a long episode. It was longer than the movie, but it was a good conversation. It is. And again, if y'all like hearing us talk for long periods of time, those are really good episodes to listen to because we go two-ish hours talking about weird cinema. So give it a, give those a listen and become a subscriber because I think it's very, I think it's really good content. I'm biased, but. All right. Yeah. Let's start with the digital haunted house story. Okay. So this is a book that's coming out in August. Um, I got okay. an advanced reading copy of it. This is um, the new book is it actually a new Nick Cutter book who oh. wrote The Troop. This is yeah. his new book that he co-wrote with Andrew F. Sullivan, who wrote The Marigold called The Handyman Method. And I just finished it last night. I read like 200 pages in like a big chunk, like a pretty in one sitting. And I didn't go to bed till late last night because I got really sucked in to this story, mm-hmm. which is basically like Amityville horror meets cosmic horror meets YouTube algorithms. Uh, wow. Um, so <laughs> the whole premise follows this family. Trent is the father. Um, Rita is the mother. And Milo is the son. They move into this new house in this new complex. It's like a new housing development. And they have the first house in this housing development. They got a really good deal on it. Trent just is um, taking leave from his job at a law office where he works with his wife Frida after a traumatic event and so he is feeling kind of emasculated by not having a job and his wife being the breadwinner so he starts repairing the house and finding ways to fix things in the house that like are already falling apart and so he goes onto YouTube and finds this guy named Handyman Hank who has like a DIY YouTube channel but as he's watching these videos they get more and more sinister and on top of that Milo, their son, is watching these YouTube videos on his iPad, and he's, I think it's Little Boy Bluey is, like, the character that he watches, and Little Boy Bluey is really sweet until he starts, like, giving Milo some ideas of weird things to do, like, building these weird mechanisms to find weird things in the forest behind the house, and so it's this, like, super weird haunted house story that also has a lot to do with like digital horror but also is this really interesting like personification of toxic masculinity and perpetuating toxic masculinity with two scenes that and for a Nick Cutter book only two scenes that made me feel this way is like pretty tame but two scenes that made me actually nauseous like feel nauseous I am more prone to feeling nauseous when I read horror versus when I watch it Something about reading the words and, like, visualizing them in my own way it makes me even, like, more uncomfortable. But I love that. And it's something I'm learning about myself more and more with each weird book I read. But I just really liked it. And it's a really interesting melding of the two of their writing styles. I'm not as familiar with Andrew F. Sullivan, but I know that The Marigold is supposed to be a really good, like, eco-horror book. And I know Nick Cutter and it melds their styles really well. Um, You can't really tell who is writing what, and it's a really awesome melding of their styles. 
So it's got this really interesting, like, cosmic horror, cerebral stuff going on while some really grounded body horror. And they're just, like, working really well together to create this super bizarre version of a haunted house story that I really, really loved. So that's out on August 8th. Um, and I highly recommend reading that, especially if you are a fan of Nick Cutter. There is a scene with a very graphic animal death. I will warn everybody. <laughs> that was one of the things that made me feel ill. He's really good at animal deaths, apparently. Yeah, but I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I was, I've been reading a lot of queer horror. So like reading to, not to presume anyone's identities, but like seemingly like just exist white guys. It was, I was like, eh. But then they're really, they do a really good job at interrogating toxic masculinity and, like, looking at it as this, like, super toxic thing. And I really like it. Okay. So, yeah, that's the handyman method, which will be out August 8th. You know, I've I've been kind of hit or miss with um, Nick Cutter, but I do, like, I really like the troop. And then I think there was a book he wrote, I think it's called, was it The Deep? Yeah. The Deep, which I really liked, and then I tr- I started reading one of his newer books, and it just, I had a hard time getting into it, but this sounds really interesting. Yeah, and I think some of the things you might not like about Nick Cutter, Andrew F. Sullivan kind of balances out with his style, and I like gotcha. his style a lot, so oh, I'd highly Little recommend. Heaven. I couldn't get into Little Oh, Heaven. interesting. Someone recommended that to me the other day, or I think today. I was having a hard time. Okay. I'm getting into that one, but okay. this sounds really cool. I like the yeah. Cutter. Yeah, I, I, it's it's weird. It's really good. So yeah, I I would recommend seeking that out if you're oh, yeah. into like haunted house stuff with some gore. You know, Kate, that's fair. That's definitely fair. It's only for about two pages if you want to skip it. The but I also understand. Yeah, the sorry. Yeah, Kate said I can't do animal harm. It's only a couple pages, and that's the only part. And it's not like super integral to the plot. Like, it's an important moment, but you just, if you just know that the, the animal dies and then you get past it, I think you'll be fine skipping it. Because it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty gross. It goes on for a long time. I was like, good oh, lord. Geez. Yes. Um, I really liked it, obsessive. but I understand that if it is something, if you do not like animal death, then it is not something you want to read. Um, and Kate, if you end up buying it and want me to let you know which pages, I can let you know too. But yeah, so that is my digital haunted house story. But then what about monster killing? So, kind of continuing on with this sort of gross uh, nature, um, I have been obsessed with Diablo 4. Um, I've been playing it a lot. Uh Uh-huh. A lot, a lot. Uh, It's one of those games where I lose track of time while playing it, and before I know it, four hours have gone by, and my numb hand is, like, screaming at me to stop playing. Uh... (laughs) Your poor body is like, Terry, this is the last thing you should be doing. And you're like, fuck you. You'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> But um, so if you have not played a Diablo game, it is like a top down action role playing game where you pick a character class. This one has five of them. I'm playing a necromancer on one character and a sorcerer on another one. Ooh. And you basically it's like a loot based game where you basically go out and you do quests you kill things you get better loot you replace your stuff you learn skills you go do more um this one has a little bit more of an interesting story that i wasn't expecting from because i'm usually like the first to skip 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 but this story has been really interesting to me uh so far where it starts out where you're like you're cold and you're alone and you you stumble upon a town and they've 
uh, got someone tied up and they're like, this person went into the mines or to this ruins ahead of us and came back gone mad and he's trying to attack everybody. And they're asking if you could go help clear out the, the place for you, for them. You go do it. Nah. Come... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm okay. You come... <laughs> well, you probably shouldn't have listened to them because you come back and they're like... the most boring monster hunter. I'd be like, no. <laughs> They uh, they throw they throw a celebration for you. There's a lot of drinking and dancing, and then before you know it, you've been drugged, and you're being carted off to some place where they have have bodies hanging from the ceiling, and there's piles of intestines and gross stuff, and they feed you these blood petals that are from this god or this evil goddess demon maybe I guess called Lilith, who is okay. a queer icon. I am going to say I'm going to say she's a queer icon right now. She is giving a lot of realness in her in her big horns and her commanding persona (laughs) and i love her i love her very much i don't want to kill her because i think she is fabulous she is working it and then you just it goes from there and it is a lot of fun and hell yeah did you play all week you played all weekend right or a lot Uh, of this weekend yeah i played a lot this weekend i've been playing with friends i played with some friends last night on my necromancer character yeah, this is going to be my obsession, and it couldn't have come at a worse time <laughs> with, like, covering festivals and Final Fantasy sixteen coming up at the end of this month, but here I am, living my best life, killing demons. <laughs> that sounds great. What how level have you gotten to? Um, So I have, my sorcerer is at level 28, I think, and then um, I have, well, I have two necromancers. I started one. And then I stopped playing it because my friends were going to start playing. And I was like, well, if I want to play with them, Necromancer is the class I want to play the more of. So I have two characters. I have a Necromancer 28, a Sorcerer at 28, and then a new Necromancer at 10. And I'm going to continue with the okay. Necromancer and, and my Sorcerer. Did you t- did you do like that race to 100 or whatever? Did you try to do that or did you like not even try? Okay. I, I don't have I don't have the the time or the patience to to race through the game. Uh, so I'm, I'm not even I'm not even worried about that. One of the things I do like about this is that it has cross-play. So, like, everyone is on the same server. Whether So my friends oh. are playing on, on PlayStation uh, can play with me while I'm playing on PC. Oh, shit. I love that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So if anyone is... If I, if I know anyone that is playing it and wants to uh, be friends with me, just let me know. And we can, we can figure that out because... I'll, I'll let, a blast I'll with let it. Steve know if he starts playing it. I'm not sure if he's going to play it or not, but I'll tell him. I think this is the this so far has been my favorite of the Diablos. I'm really enjoying it. It's cool. doing a lot of things I've, right. I have never played them, but like they seem like they would be my shit. I just haven't like put in the time, and I also don't have any software. I guess I could play it on the PS5 now, because yeah. I never really had and anything to couch play it on. There's couch co-op, so you could be playing it with Steve and also playing online with people, because that's what my friends in New York are doing right now. They're both on the PlayStation oh. 5, and I'm playing on PC, and we're grouping together. So, oh, okay. just tossing that out there. <laughs> well, that's very good to know. Steve? <laughs> Hello? Can you buy? <laughs> but yeah. Very tangentially related to video games, Steve started playing Hades, and I'm so, I was so behind, I tweeted yes. about this, so behind how hot everyone is in that game. Oh. Holy smoking like voice acting and the art design jesus christ zags i can't i can't i I just want to he's playing it i'm just like smooch that voice who 
Hoops voice is floating through my apartment. Um, anyway. And he's bisexual. Zagari- Zag- Zagreus? Yes! He's bisexual. Ugh. I love it. You love to hear it. Happy Pride. <laughs> Happy Pride, indeed. Happy Pride. I love that game. I'm very excited for the, the sequel. I know. I didn't... I knew about it, but I didn't fully realize how beautiful it was. And I... Yeah. Anyway, this is not about Hades, but I just wanted to bring up how hot everyone was in that game. Really, quick. I am always, I'm always willing to talk about how hot Zagreus is and his boyfriend Thanatos. Oh my god! I, I literally, when they first started talking to each other, I'm like, so are they fucking or what? <laughs> Steve was like, Mary Beth. I'm like, well, did you hear that sexual like that one conversation oh. I heard? Charged. So charged. charged. Yep. Yeah, you can you can romance him. He's one of the romanceable people. That makes me very happy to know. I might just play that game for that. <laughs> I think you're insane. For a while, it was like this is the Thanatos game. I'm gonna see how much it takes to be mm-hmm. able to like get some smooching done with him. <laughs> I'm playing this solely for smooches, smooches only. <laughs> All of my video games should let me smooch somebody. Okay. Anyway, I agree. All right. Victorian era allegories for conversion camps. This sounds interesting and also terrifying. Yeah. So I talked about Hell Followed With Us on the podcast, right? That book that I read about angels. Mm -hmm. So this is Andrew Joseph White, that author's new book, The Spirit Bears Its Teeth, which also I got an advanced reading copy of. It's going to be out this fall. Y'all, I'm fucking reading like a maniac. It feels real good. You sure are. I'm I'm really happy. I'm really happy about it. I feel very creative. I tweeted, again, I tweeted about this. I'm feeling much more creatively inspired now that I'm doing some more reading, which is very nice. Just having more variety. But it's just been nice. And I've been so excited for this book in particular because Hell Followed With Us, like, was so specifically tailored for my bullshit with, like, queer body horror apocalypse where our main character is a trans person transforming into a a biblically accurate angel. Like, I could not even write something more appropriate for me. That is is you to a T right there. (laughs) Um, so when I heard about his newest book, I was so excited to read it. I love the way he writes his characters. And this one is very different, but I still, I'm really, really liking it, but it's much sadder. Um, so it follows, it takes place, it's historical horror fiction. It takes place in London, 1883. But in this society, they've discovered, um, that the veil between the living and the dead is thinned. Like one day, all of a sudden, Women and men were born with violet eyes and they could see into the veil, which is like the other world. And this led to the creation of the Royal Speaker Society, who becomes an incredibly oppressive regime that says women, women are not allowed to become, be mediums. Women who try to use their powers get punished or killed. And women are typically... <laughs> prom- says typical. <laughs> I say women, women, women here, but it's not the right word because young girls as young as 14 are then married off to older men because women who are, have violet eyes, who are seers, um, um, they're called speakers, they are coveted by men because it continues the bloodline and are more likely to, gar- to create speakers. And so in all of this mess, there is Silas, who is a trans man, but he has not transitioned. He, but he is, and he is autistic. And he is trying very hard to escape this world where he is going to be married off and made to have babies when he is not a woman, but the world still sees him as a woman. And so when he tries to escape, 
early on, he is sent to a special school for girls with veil sickness. And they want to cure him so he can marry his betrothed. And so it is his, <sighs> basically, it's really, it's, it's heavy. It's very heavy. But it's really well written. And I love it. But it's very heavy. It is YA, technically, by the way. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's sad. Like, it's not, it, it's just, it's very heavy and very much about, like, very like really shitty queer experiences and it is very much like convert like a conversion camp allegory and about how be and about like men in power telling women and gender non-conforming people how to live their lives and it's it's real but i really love it and again it is not for everybody because of the subject matter but it, he handles it so well because white is a trans man and he's an autistic trans man and so he writes these characters so well and makes them so compelling and the mysteries he creates are so sad but they're so compelling because his characters are trying to fight against like hegemony and patriarchy under dire circumstances so i i am about halfway through it i kate i have almost cried reading it in public like on a bus i was running errands and i was reading part of it and i was just like this is a lot so that is out in the fall i'm not quite sure of the date yet so if if that sounds appealing to you, it, again, it is much, and there I haven't gotten to some of the gorier parts yet. I know that there are some really gory parts in it that involve surgery because Silas wants to be a surgeon. Yeah, it's a lot. It sounds like a lot. I I've been meaning to to read that first book because you talk so highly of it. I I need to I need to make more time to read Mary Beth. I know that's my thing. Like I haven't been watching as much because I've been reading. But like, it's kind of nice because I'm giving my I, I'm I know I'm not giving my eyes a rest technically, but like I'm not I'm usually I'm reading the Spirit Bears Its Teeth on my phone because that's a, a digital advanced reading copy. But like I've been trying to ra- read like physical books, so I'm not looking at screens as much, and like I'm also trying to like fix my bedtime like my sleeping schedule because I just like I'm a night owl, so I'm like trying to read more before bed rather than like staring at TikTok, so I can actually yeah. like kind of turn off my brain. I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to last, but I like it right now. And I have the biggest pile of books I need to read by my bed. So hoping this can, this, uh, this trajectory continues. Yeah. I need to really embrace that trajectory as well. I have so many books that I bought from at San Francisco when we were there that I have not even opened yet. And I... Yes. I, yeah, I only read one of those. I brought one to work so I could read at lunch. And then I just, I haven't had time to like read at lunch i I should should, take a picture of my tbr pile my my tbr pile isn't even my full tbr pile but it's the one i've decided to create to like get me to start (laughs) it's the start it's your starter it's the starter hey i've gotten three things out of it recently so that's better than i've done in a while i'm trying to i'm telling myself i cannot buy more books until i like make a big chunk of it like i just have to read this shit i need to stop Um, I should and then I buy things fact. on my Kindle, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't count. It's not taking up space. <laughs> I I should make that pact with movies. Ah! <laughs> I have the same. Oh, I also have that pile. Oh my god, Terry, that's incredible. One pile. Like so I've read some of them or seen some of them, but this is. Oh my god, uh, Terry! This is one what is pile. Our, what is wrong with us? I see Dead and Buried in there. You've seen Dead and Buried. Yeah. No, I, I bought... So, like, they had... Um, 
one of the sites was having like a really good. Oh, was it the Arrow Easter sale? Yeah, clearance sale or it was like MVD or something like that. Is, oh, is that oh, oh, oh. They sell. They were doing like a blue underground sale. So like some of these, some of these I've seen like Dead and Buried and Zombie and and whatnot. But and Wild Things, I had to get that because Wild Things. But um, yeah. Wow. The, the, they're they're just piles of these growing. So I feel you on the book front. Just to get everyone. Oh, oh God! It's not a Jesus. pile anymore. I'm gonna. Yeah, one day I'm gonna <laughs> die under like a pile of my own books or DVDs. I swear to God. This is coming out September 5th. Everybody. Okay. I just got the date confirmed. Um, so I cannot wait to get a physical copy because this is one of those books that I want to like cover... tab. And, well, like, the cover on um on that first one was really cool too. Like. The and the spirit bears its teeth cover is really cool too. I think it's a. I think I don't. I do not know if it is the same illustrator, but it looks like the same illustrator in terms of the style. And also, Andrew Joseph Wood is now working on an, an, another novel, but I think it's for adults. Not that it matters, because like his both his two YA books have been incredible, but he's working on an adult novel right now, or adult like general fiction. So I'm very excited. He's a he's a big name to watch. I think um, if you like queer horror. He's one of the big ones out there to, to pay attention to. So that is The Spirit Bears Its Teeth, everybody. What a great title. It's so fucking sad. <laughs> reading it today, like, for a little bit before I took a nap. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this book just keeps getting bleaker and bleaker. When is the, like, is there going to be, not that his books are happy, but there's usually, like, a little glimmer. So I'm waiting for that because I'm like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, this is fucking depressing. But it's written really well. A divorce drama we haven't seen before? Swinging wildly away from this topic? So this is uh, premiering at Tribeca. And this isn't a review, I want to be clear, because um, we're not allowed to have reviews yet. So I'm not reviewing this. But it is coming <laughs> out. It is It is playing at Tribeca the day after this episode comes out. And I want to alert people that if you are able to go to Tribeca, this is one I would really recommend seeing. It's called Our Son, and it stars Billy Porter and Luke Evans as um, a married couple who have a eight-year-old son that they had through one of, um, so one of Luke Evans's friends, his character's friends, he got her egg and then his semen, and then they had a surrogate do it. So he's technically, he's the biological father, technically. And then Billy Porter um, is his is his husband, and they're raising this kid. And Luke Evans has a very high profile job. He works at a book publishing. He's like constantly busy trying to get authors. They have a really nice home. He uh, is the obvious breadwinner. Billy Porter's character was once an actor, but not, but kind of failed really, kind of failing at it. And the moment that um, their son was born. He decided to be a stay-at-home dad and take care of the kid, uh, take him off to school, do the, the, the grocery shopping, the cooking, all of that kind of um, at-home type work. And we're now eight years into the son's life, and there's a lot of simmering tension between the two dads, particularly with um, Billy Porter's character, who feels as if he is the only one that really cares about the kid because Luke Evans Ooh. is always gone working. Mm-hmm. 
we find out at the very beginning Billy Porter has had an affair with someone and he's telling his husband about it. Oh shit. Yeah, and he says that he just he's not happy and he hasn't been happy for a while. And then he he serves Luke Evans's character divorce papers cuz he says he's not happy in this relationship. And then becomes the custody battle for their kid because Luke Evans is the biological father of it and is also has a really high power job and is making all the money whereas Billy Porter mm-hmm. does not have a job has not worked for at least 8 years has a very mm-hmm. big gap on his resume and so it becomes like a big battle between the two of them but what i really like about this this movie is that it humanizes both both of these characters to the point where you can see them at the same time almost you can see them both as the hero and the villain of this of this story and so it isn't we're we're in both of these characters' heads. It's not a one-sided story that I've seen so much where where um one character is sort of like the I can't believe this person's divorcing me and my life is now ruined type of thing. We're following both of them in this very nuanced and authentic feeling moment of decoupling and what that looks like for characters that are deeply love each other. Um, Luke Evans is his character is just blindsided by by the divorce and everything, and we can kind of see that they both have their issues. Billy Porter's cheated. They were they said they weren't going to do an open relationship, and if they were going to have one, they would talk about it. And Billy Porter didn't. Meanwhile, Luke Evans is kind of that distant father, and so this kind of tackles that, but as well as the idea that neither of them and a lot of gay men, particularly around their age and around my age did not have necessarily the best father figures. And so this idea of like generational kind of, I guess generational trauma in some way is sort of like creating their situation again among their son. And so it's this very emotional look. I cried. It's very well done. And I really, I really enjoyed it. So if you are able to go see this at Tribeca tomorrow, it's playing on Saturday the 10th. I would really recommend going to see this one. It was really, really moving and really well done and very nuanced. And again, like we don't see queer stories like this. And I'm really happy that every year I feel like festivals are showing more and more nuanced queer stories, which Mm -hmm. took fucking long enough. Wasn't it like Kids Are All Right? Was that one? It was was two lesbian. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. like... That was a long, that was a while ago, and I also don't remember liking that movie very much, but I cannot remember well, I think for shit. What I remember about that is that it centered more on the male character as opposed to... Yeah, to like, women. their sperm donor, I think, is who they talk... Uh, whatever. Regardless, it's really... It, that vaguely reminded me of Passages, like, what you're talking about, like, what this Passages yeah. was like at Sundance, and I'm also excited to see Billy Porter in a more grounded role. I feel like a lot of the time he's used to be... Like a flamboyant presence, so yes. very much like a bombastic presence, which is like he's really good at that. But I'm really excited that he's getting more like grounded, dramatic roles to show him off as an actor who isn't just like always that, like, you know, they he's always kind of framed as like a gay guy, you know what I mean? Like, well, he is, he's and, always and, like, in like he an outfit. <laughs> yes, he lives his life too, in, in, the roles that he plays, but then also living his life is very much um, that kind of camp aesthetic or the big kind of elegant like just boisterous and and larger than life and he is very grounded in this and very um subdued and he it really shows off his acting a lot more than anything i've ever seen him in 
Oh, that makes me so happy because I, really I, good in this. he's really good in Pose because like he has yes. that like those moments on Pose where he is like right. a campy character, but he also has some really awesome grounded moments in Pose because his character is so sad. So yeah. I'm really excited that he gets to be in this grounded, more grounded role, and people can see him as more. It was really good. I really, really recommend it. So go check that one out if if you're able to at Tribeca. Although with the way the the weather has been with the the smoke and stuff coming down yeah, i guess yeah, it's probably uh, not a great place careful. to be for but all right boy this one bleak jake gyllenhaal movie i know what movie this is because you tweeted about it and i've not seen it so i'm curious to hear your thoughts so this is prisoners it's yeah. not a new movie this is the 2013 denis villeneuve sorry if i said it wrong um <laughs> film uh starring jake gyllenhaal and hugh jackman I have wanted to watch this for a long time. I had like heard a lot of really good stuff about it. And I and you know, uh, over the weekend at like midnight, I thought let's just start it. It's a two and a half hour long movie. So like Holy I decided God. that that was the right time to start it. When I tell you that this movie does not feel like that long at all, it is so well paced. Like this is a movie that deserves its runtime, I think. I did not feel it cuz this feels it's got like kind of sp- matterings of zodiac in it okay it's not necessarily it's not like based on anything but it follows hugh jackman plays keller dover his daughter and her friend go missing her friend is the daughter of viola davis and terrence howard the families are best friends and on thanksgiving the girls go outside and then they're never to be seen again um and so this follows them trying to find the daughter. And Jake Gyllenhaal is the police detective who is lead on the case, trying to find them. And he is supposedly has like a 100% success rate. He has solved all of his cases. And so he is trying to figure out what happened in terms of like, I'm a cop. I have to follow a certain protocol. And then right. Hugh Jackman's character goes all vigilante fucking justice and wants to figure it out on his own. So it's like these two guys trying to get justice and it's fucking bleak, but incredibly well acted, incredibly well done. This is the kind of movie that like gives you, sets up a lot of things and doesn't necessarily give you all the answers, which to me as someone who's a big lore person and frustrates me simply because I just love that stuff. But I think it's purposefully vague. It's left so purposely vague. So, like, I appreciate it. I just am a little baby and want more information. But it's worth a watch. It's on Netflix. It's, like, the number one thriller on Netflix right now. It Again, it is very bleak. It is A lot of it is about children, abductions, and child predators. So, like, really talking about some really happy shit this week. But yeah. <laughs> it is incredibly well done. There's a... The violence in it is really upsetting, which is, like, hard for me to, like, it's difficult for me to say after a lot of shit I've watched. But it's so real because this is, like, Mm -hmm. real people who are very desperate and do things that are really fucked up in the name of what they, like, in the name of what they think is right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is, again, a very heavy watch. It is in in its two and a half hours. But if you are feeling like a good, like... True crimey ask fiction movie that like is fa- like is really tense and creepy and weird and it also is kind of like the first season of True Detective. Okay. 
I would. Well, yeah, it's very much like the first season of True Detective. So, well, you've had a a heavy week. <laughs> I'm just looking back yeah. at the stuff that you talked about. Heavy week. I watched another thing that I can't talk about that was heavy too, and I was like, huh, hmm, makes you think. <laughs> wow, I you know what can you do? Boy, Denis and Jake were having a moment because you know I was I was thinking. I always remember that I've not seen this movie, nor this other movie I'm going to mention, but I know they came out within like six months of each other. And Prisoners and Enemy were both a Denis Villeneuve movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. So they're having a little moment there. Yeah, I haven't seen Enemy. And they came out within six Enemy. months of each other. Yeah, I haven't seen Enemy yet. I get those two mixed up because they are the two... I, di- I, mean, I again, to go look them up. Shocking. <laughs> no one. that, I, But I think they, they are very different movies. Yeah. One of them ends with, like, giant spiders or something? So, I thought that was this one. Um, it's not. So, it must be Enemy, I guess. I don't know if that's a spoiler. I was, tr- I was that, trying to I watch the one with spiders, and I, I fucking didn't pick the right one. Still loved it, and I wanted to see both, so, like, it really wasn't, but it was funny, because I was like, I don't think this is the one I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I had to go look up, because I was like, I remember both of these coming up around Mm -hmm. the same time and i was like i can never remember which one is which so i had to go like look up the plot synopsis for both as you were talking well and like both of them people are like don't look anything about it so i i was like well wherever i land i'll have a good time so there you go i i really like his work i i I love blade i love arrival i love blade runner 2049 I loved Dune. Kate, I'm also excited for Dune Part 2. He ri- I'm very excited. Timmy the Twink rides a sandworm. He rides the worm. That's all I want. Me too. <laughs> well, I just, Me too. I just, I just want to watch Timmy ride a worm. It's the best part of the deal. I don't know. That to me is just like the craziest part. Not the craziest part, but, like, of the book slash of, like, the movies is just, like, oh, and by the way, they fucking have to ride a giant worm. <laughs> and also, fucking, I don't want to, do you, does anyone care if I spoil what the fuck, do you, like, Spice is in Dune? That it's basically worm poop? <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite, is that this worm shit is, like, the fucking dust of the, of the galaxy or the universe. And I'm, like, I love sci-fi writers. They're just fucking crazy. They're, like, yeah, this wor- this giant worm shit is very important and can help you transcend time and space. And everyone's, like, cool, okay, we'll harvest their poop. It reminds me of this um, Futurama episode where everyone's drinking slurm. And it turns out the slurm is, like, the... Uh, basically the same thing from like a giant alien queen and it's like she's just squeezing it out into into glasses that they're selling to people so yeah i I love when when sci-fi does that it's like god it's so good wild it's just so good and like that story is so serious and the movies take it so seriously but i'm just like giggling because i'm like it's just so silly (laughs) i love it but it's a little silly. If you if you think about a lot of fantasy like too hard, it is just fucking silly. But I guess that's the point. Anyway. <laughs> so that was Prisoners. So if you're in if you're trying to watch something kind of like a the feel bad movie of your evening and don't let the two and a half hour runtime dissuade you, I promise you it does not feel that long at all. Do you remember when um should watch they were marketing you, you really should. <laughs> but do you remember they were marketing uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo as the feel-bad movie of Christmas? Yeah. Guess who saw that in a movie theater with her grandmother? Wow. Because we loved the books. And, like, 
I've seen some crazy shit with my grandmother in theaters. Let me tell you something. This bitch loves seeing crazy shit with me. But we saw the American remake in theaters. And there's a couple points where I was like... But then there's a point where um, Lisbeth wears a shirt in the movie. says, fuck you, you fucking fuck. And she, my grandma leans over and goes, I want that shirt. So like that Aww. should tell you who she is as a person. Yes. I love, I love her that. so deeply, but it's still really awkward watching those movies with her, no yeah. matter how cool she is. And now she, I think, I cannot remember if I'm making this up. I feel like she has made comments about me looking like Lisbeth Salander after getting my nose pierced. And I was like, that's a compliment. And she's like, I, I suppose you're right. Way. And I was like, yeah, but if I look like her, hell yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, that about does it for this week's Little Cuts. Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? So, we are talking with filmmaker Bomani J. Story. He, his debut feature film, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, is in theaters and on demand as of the posting of this episode. Mary Beth talked about it out of South By. I've seen it since then. I love this movie. It is basically... Taking the Frankenstein mythos and really doing a good job adapting it, I will say. And we very modernizes it in probably one of the best ways we've ever seen it adapted into like a modern context and really understands like the core of what that story is. That's and that's exactly we we talk a little bit about that because like there's been a lot of adaptations of this of this type of story, and a lot of times I don't think they get exactly what Mary Shelley was doing with that. And I think this one does a really great job with it. And it's a really good movie. It's out again, it's out on demand or in theaters. And we're talking with him on Monday about (laughs) the original, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. from Finally, we're finally talking about the original chain, original Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the almost four years. We've been doing this podcast. Someone finally brought it. And let me tell you, it is such a good, smart, incredible conversation. Bomani is, is just like very funny and very smart. And it's just like a bunch of lit nerds just and horror nerds nerding out about lit and like weird horror. It's just, it's very good. We we only had him for like an hour and it was really funny because we were having such a good conversation that we just kept trying to push it a little bit further as much I know. as we possibly and could. We, yeah, we went a little over time. But that's not our fault. He was just a really good conversation. He was great. Stop having so. cool people make movies. Just kidding. Never stop. Never stop. <laughs> and we're also, we are not doing a series. We're still not doing a series because we are so busy with a million things. So, but obviously we are consuming plenty of content. So whatever. Um, the listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film we taught, we watched or played Diablo or read one of the books or excited for one of the books I read? You should let us know. Or if suggestions for books I should be reading or and Terry, mm-hmm. let us know. We're looking for good horror, thriller, creepy book recs. So any of that, you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a gaily dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And again, we have a Patreon. We have a new episode coming out for Fresh Wounds. And um, I'm really enjoying the, the stuff that we're, the conversations that we're having. So hopefully uh, you guys will sign up for it and help support us. So thank you. Thank you. 
And also, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you again to all of you for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. scratchers to scratch there's a playful way you can do just that scratch with the key or acrylic nail scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail use a belt buckle from your friend lamar or scratch with your pick while you play guitar you can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways scratchers from the california lottery a little play can make your day please play responsibly must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>